Hey guys, it's your girl DJ Pressure with Felicia's Madcap Podcast, where making a difference can apply pressure. Madcap Podcast's mission is to tell the story behind the artist, business owner, and the everyday survivor while highlighting our kids. Madcap Podcast's vision is to be a platform where artists, business owners, and survivors can connect nationwide while giving you information on the latest celebrity news, live interviews, financial tips, community updates, and events. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or TikTok, Felicia's Madcap Podcast. And you can also visit the website, www.feliciasmadcappodcast.com. Hey guys, it's your girl DJ Pressure with Felicia's Makeup Podcast, and I am here with another episode. And I have with me James E. Webb the Fourth. Hey James. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Well, we're here today to talk about your survival and you know just battling drug addiction so unfortunately we won't have your dad on here today but we do have you someone that can definitely um open up and tell their story to help save other uh youth that's going through what you've learned to overcome so tell me a little bit about you know how was your life growing up all right uh well, like from when I was a kid, I had a pretty good childhood, uh, probably up until like I was 10 or 11. And then then my dad, me and my dad weren't really close then. He wasn't really there. So I kind of just left home around 10 or 11 and just got into the streets and got into things I probably shouldn't have. And by the time I was 14 years old, I got... I did some things and I got arrested until I was 21 years old. I got juvenile life. So that was pretty much the rest of my childhood. And well, uh, let's, talk about, let's talk about it. So um, growing up, you know, did you have like mother and father in your home? Like were they together or separated? Uh, no, they were separated since I was born. It was really just me and my mom, like, through everything, pretty much. Okay, so let's talk about your relationship with your mom. Um, uh, when it came to your relationship with your mom, did you feel like you guys were pretty close? Yeah, we were really close. That was, like, my best friend. Like, she did everything she could for me. She, Even when we didn't have it, she made sure that we did. You know what I'm saying? Like, everything she could do, she made happen, no matter what. So... When you talk about your mom being your best friend, um, I had a lady over the weekend ask me about my son and our relationship. And, you know, she had a boy and they weren't really close. And so being a male uh, figure and being close to your mom, how were you able to call your mom your best friend? What did she do to make you feel like it was OK to talk to her about some things? Uh, just really like she was really just always there for me no matter if I was going through things or if I was in the wrong no matter what she stood by my side through through everything really and she just showed me comfort and love and just made me feel like I was I was meant to be you know I'm like I was somebody you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. and like my dad wasn't there so really all I had was her it was just me and her and 
we got we got through we done been through the toughest things that it's been rough but she just now, made sure we had everything that. i'm glad you said that you guys uh been through the toughest things you know myself being a single mother with three boys and one girl i know they see me go through a lot what was some things that you feel like you saw your mom go through that kind of maybe made you have like a different outlook on life uh like when i got like a little bit older i was like i just noticed she was literally like she worked a lot just like she just worked crazy hours and it was it was still barely barely enough like we were still struggling with bills and trying to have food on the table and I just kind of saw that and I just kind of took it upon myself to go do what I needed to do to make sure we had money and food on the table everything that we needed even though I didn't have to I just, cause she wouldn't tell me that she was struggling or anything. She would never tell me anything like that. I just kind of had to see it my own self. And I just kind of took it upon myself to just go, honestly, just go sell drugs, do whatever I needed to do to make sure we had everything we needed, food, rent was paid, just anything I could. But it just, it in my case, it turned out worse, making it worse than being more solving the problem so i want everybody to know that you're only 24 years old you're yes. still pretty much like a baby to me um and just so you guys know he's uh, talking with us and joining us from knoxville tennessee so um at what age would you say you started to get into the drug game um probably about 12 12 you or 13 so did you not have any fear of you know of anything were you just at that i didn't care type of attitude i'm gonna help my mama uh well honestly it's like when i was that age i kind of i hung out with kids that were probably like four or five years older than me at that time so they were they were doing it so I just kind of jumped in where I fit in and just started doing it with them. And it just went from there. So did you see yourself more as a leader at the time? Or could you say that you pretty much kind of followed? Yeah, you know? then uh, then I was definitely I was definitely just following. Like I really I just wanted to to just fit in somewhere you know what i'm saying so that's that's the route i took I, all my homeboys were doing it so and they were making money doing it so i just thought why can't i do it so i jumped in and started doing it so uh did you start toting guns at an early age uh no i didn't really not probably until i was about about 14 like right before I went to jail, that's like when I had my first gun. But I really didn't, the the clientele that I dealt with, I didn't really have to, I was around certain people that I didn't have to do that or have a gun or anything like that. So you guys, um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. But I want you guys to stay tuned because there's so much more to get into when it comes to this conversation. Thank you all for tuning in. 
Hey guys, it's your girl DJ Pressure with Felicia's Madcap Podcast, where making a difference can apply pressure. Madcap Podcast's mission is to tell the story behind the artist, business owner, and the everyday survivor while highlighting our kids. Madcap Podcast's vision is to be a platform where artists, business owners, and survivors can connect nationwide while giving you information on the latest celebrity news, live interviews, financial tips, community updates, and events. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or TikTok, Felicia's Madcap Podcast. And you can also visit the website, www.feliciasmadcappodcast.com. Hey guys, we are back and please feel welcome to ask any questions or comment because we will be able to answer your questions. So we talked about you growing up single parent, uh, dad wasn't there, you got involved into the drug game to help your mom. Um, let's talk about, you know, have, while being 12 and being out there in the streets, did you see anything that kind of traumatized you? Um, honestly, no, not really. We just, we were all just kind of having fun, just doing what we wanted to do at that time. Okay. So let's get to the point where you actually, uh, now you have siblings, right? Yes. I have, a, uh, I have two. I have a little brother and a little sister. Okay. Now, so you may have felt like it was your job to step up and be the man of the household, correct? Yeah. So how was it? Because I know bringing in the income for your mom, even though as a mother, I'm pretty sure she would rather have her son at home and safe rather than in the streets. Did you see any changes in your mom as you became more involved in the streets? Yes. Uh, We honestly, we just... I I started to get more like selfish and not really think about things like that. I was I was just kind of getting too too deep into it and I just we kind of got distant from each other and it was just like a weird relationship at that time cuz I would just leave and not come home for two or three days and she would just be worried about me and it just mm-hmm. it just got real kind of hectic then. How did that affect your relationship? Because you called your mom your best friend, right? So yeah. how did that affect your relationship? Did did it change? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it changed. Uh, in a way, it kind of made us stronger. Like the things that we went through during that phase, mm-hmm. like because she really didn't want that for me. She wanted me to just be a good kid. You know what I'm saying? And I just, I really wasn't, I wasn't having it. I just I wanted to be with my homeboys, so that's what I did. I just kind of ignored everything she was telling me, pointing me in the right direction. I just kind of ignored that and did my own thing. So that just kind of it stressed her out real bad, and it just it caused a lot of problems, honestly. Okay, so the things that your mom was uh, warning you about, did you actually see it taking effect? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So did you ever come back to your mom like, Mom, you were right? Yeah, multiple, a lot of times that's happened. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. everything she told me, it kind of, she kind of like, she told me it was going to happen, and then soon enough it did. Okay, so let's get to the point where you started to um, get in trouble with law enforcement. Um, 
What was your first encounter with law enforcement? Um, my first encounter, we were, uh, we were just kind of at the park and we were just smoking weed, just hanging out at a park and the police pulled up. And I mean, we all, we all just ran pretty much. We never, the only encounter I got, like actually got in trouble with is when I got locked up in juvenile. Okay. So, um, at what age did you get locked up in juvenile? Uh, I was 14. Okay. So that gave you like a short period of time out in the streets because there's people that have been in the streets way longer than two years before they actually, you know, encounter a charge. They kind of put them away for a while. So what was it that put you um, in juvie? You said life sentence in juvie? Uh, it, was was a, it was a juvenile, yeah, a juvenile life pretty much. It's, um, well, I was at the park. I just got out of school and somebody wanted to buy some weed. So I rode my bike down to the park and met, that's where I met him. And we were just kind of sitting there and they just kept telling me they're about to pull up, they're about to pull up. And they just, they tried to jump me. They like, he put me in a chokehold, like real tight. Like I was about to black out, like just pass out. And I just, I had a little knife in my pocket and I just, I stabbed him as many times as I could just to free myself and breathe. And that the police came and got me like an hour later and that was pretty much it. So basically you were set up. Yeah, pretty much. And they put you in chokehold to hold you for the police officer. No, no, they, no, it was, they were trying to rob me for oh, all, okay. everything I had pretty much. So it was a setup, but a robbery at the same time. I'm trying to understand. No, like, they told you they told you that they were about to come. Yeah, they were telling me the people that's about to buy the weed is on the way. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay, okay. So the the whole situation was a robbery itself set up. So um, the police came and got you an hour later, and that you went to court, and they gave you a juvie life sentence, which was till you became an adult. Correct. Yes. So how was how was it being in juvie? Uh, it honestly sucked. At at the beginning, I was, I just I couldn't even think about being gone that long. It it was terrible. But after I just kind of got situated, it just it just became like normal almost. You know what I'm saying? Like I wasn't really stressed or anything. It just became like a normal habit, a normal routine. So at what point did you actually encounter start, you know, taking drugs yourself? Uh, when I got out, when I got out of Mountain View, uh, I got out and I kind of just started doing the same thing again. But, so what age were you when you first started taking drugs? Uh, like actual drugs, probably like 19 Okay, so when you got out and you're 24 now, um, so what type of drugs were you taking? Uh, at first, I was just like smoking weed and just stuff like that. And I went, I had a bad cavity and I went and got a tooth pulled and the dentist prescribed me hydrocodone for the pain. And mm -hmm. I started taking those and I just kind of abused them. And I went back and told them my tooth was still hurting, but it really wasn't. And they just gave me another refill. So I just kept on taking them and taking them. And it, 
after that, it just kind of went on from there to harder stuff. So do you feel like if had you never gotten that tooth pull, you would have never been reintroduced to uh, drugs? Uh, no, I couldn't say that. Okay. But that was a start of uh, being, I mean, it wasn't really like a focus, like something you was, you know, ready to start doing, right? No, it's just, it was just kind of something that made me feel, felt good. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And I just, I kept taking them. So I liked the way it made me feel. So it kind of got addictive. And then after, after I ran out of my refills and the dentist wouldn't give me anymore, it was like, I started having these crazy withdrawals and mm -hmm. my body would ache real bad and I was just going through it. So I finally went through the withdrawals and got over that. And then honestly, what led me on to other stuff is I was like just partying with people and the music I was listening to, they were just always talking about Percocets and all this stuff. And I just, I started taking them again and it just, it, it got real bad after that. Well, um, I know exactly how you feel because uh, when I had like my brain surgeries and my doctor gave me Percocets for pain. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have those, like, like you said, the crazy withdrawal, it's yeah. kind of like, uh, not really like you're shaking, but your body in the inside feels like this shivering. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, you're cold when you're not really cold or uh, it's just, it's just your body aches, you know. Yeah. You're sweating, so, but you're freezing. <laughs> It could be both ways. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's weird. So one thing that um, I know for sure is no one really ever want to be called an addict, you know? Yeah. But the truth is, is that when when you're given those type of medication, it's like they turn you into one, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so you have to acknowledge it because your body, if... The only reason why you're called an addict is because of the withdrawals your body goes through. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, and honestly, uh, with me going through my brain surgeries and having to take that medication um, and having to come off of it, I would never accept that title because of the fact that it's like you had to do what you had to do to yeah. keep pain down but i do understand why you accepted the title because you wanted you went from something that you were taking to something stronger and you just you were basically chasing to me if correct me if i'm wrong chasing the high you liked the way it made you feel yeah definitely yeah so did you ever take anything stronger than percocets yeah it went from uh like i was taking the Percocet 10s and I took those for probably about a year and then after the after those it just they just kind of quit working for me so I went up to Roxy's and I started taking those and then it went to the Roxy 30s they're like a M blocks is what they call them down here and they're like a blue pill M30s they're Roxy 30s but they're really just pressed with fentanyl and I didn't know that at the at the beginning I didn't know that and I just I started taking those a lot and eventually I was addicted to fentanyl pretty much and the withdrawals I could not I could not stand them like 
I, I would not let myself go through the withdrawals at all. So I just kept on and kept on. And eventually the Roxy's quit working. So then I just started doing heroin. And that was pretty much the worst time of my life where I was pretty much at rock bottom. I, I was doing almost an eight ball of heroin a day at one point. And it just, I, I overdosed like three or four times and it just, I just, I don't know. It was, it was terrible. Honestly, I don't know how I made it through it. So let me ask you something. How did knowing that you overdosed three or four times, the first time it happened, how did it affect you? Were you like, man, shoot, I was close. Or did you have another type of uh, reaction? Uh, Honestly, it's kind of weird. Like when I overdosed, I didn't even, I didn't even know that I overdosed. It was like, I kind of, I thought I just fell asleep and then woke back up. You know what I'm saying? That's what it felt like to me. And I just woke up in the hospital and I just thought everything was all right. And they're like, no, nah, you overdosed. And we had an art can you and all this stuff. And I just, I didn't even really think about it. Honestly, I just got up and left the hospital and just went right back to doing it again. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of was like that way each time. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, until it was to the point where like the the heroin just I had to do so much. Like my nose would just start pouring blood. I would never I I would never use needles or anything, so I just always snorted it and it would just my nose was so bad, like it was killing me and I had to go I finally went to rehab. I went to one rehab and I started going to the withdrawals and they gave me uh suboxin. And it worked. It honestly helped me get through all the withdrawals while I was in rehab. But as soon as I got out of rehab, it was like two weeks later, I was just, I was right back on it. It's just something I could not, I just, I couldn't stop doing it. I don't understand it, honestly, like why it sucked me in so bad that I just, no matter what it was, I, I put that before anything else in my life. So... When you were going through trying the different drugs and just, you know, just chasing the high and when you went to rehab and came back to it, um, did you lose all care for like your relationships with your family and everything? You was just in your own zone? Yeah, yeah, pretty much like uh it was to the point I was I was stealing, I was just robbing people, I was just robbing everybody I knew and it, it was terrible. It was to the point where I just, I didn't have nobody at all from all the things that I've done. It's just nobody wanted to be around me. It, it was terrible. I was just all by myself. And feeling all by yourself, have you ever came through like to the point where you felt de- depression and yes. I know you talked about suicide, you know, your fr- how many times did you attempt suicide? Uh, think about three times uh, how, how was that experience you know each time uh each time it was it was horrible like I was so I was so just throw it off in my head I was like and each time I was so intoxicated like I didn't really feel anything I was I was kind of numb and I just I honestly with the withdrawals and everything just I just felt like there was no need for me to be alive anymore like 
they're like I'm just I was just ready to end all the pain all like you know what I'm saying everything I was tired of feeling the pain the hurt and just disappointing everybody I just wanted to just take it all away and just be done with it you know what I'm saying and it just it didn't work that each time so tell me a little bit about what did you do to try suicide each time and when you came we'll talk about it but what did you try each time you know was it just like um uh, overdosed or uh the first time uh i cut my arm like terribly like i got scars all down my left side of my arm and just mm-hmm. trying to like cut my veins open and it's like a hundred cuts on my arm scars from that and it just it didn't work that that didn't work for me and i just kind of fell asleep and woke up in a peninsula which is a mental hospital here and uh the second time i i took a whole way too many xanax and i mixed it with the roxy 30s the fentanyl pills Hmm. and uh me and my girlfriend we were laying in bed and i guess my body just kind of shut down i just started having like a really bad seizure and my girlfriend called the ambulance. She didn't know what else to do. And when the ambulance got there, I was pretty much done for. They just kept narcanning me over and over and over and over and over. And I guess finally, right before they were going to give up, they just did it one more time and I came back too. And I went to the hospital from there and I was uh, committed to a uh, mental hospital and then after there to a rehab. Okay, and the last time was was that the last time? Cause I know you said second. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't the after that I wouldn't really say I tried to tried to kill myself. It was more like I just I guess you could. It's pretty much I did. Uh, I just did as much heroin as I possibly could, and I overdosed. But every time it's like just every time I do something, they they bring me back somehow and. It was to the point where I was just getting mad at them that they kept narcing me, just trying to get me back. Cause I at, at that point I didn't I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to come back like at all. And they just kept bring they kept saving me, and I didn't want that to happen. And I I I drove myself to the hospital, and I had a knife in the car, and I was pretty much just threatening the police to like shoot me. Like they were surrounding my car, and I was just trying to get them to do it like suicide by cop and mm-hmm. they they just kind of tackled me down to the ground and restrained me and i was in the hospital for like a week in like a small little room getting evaluated you you said then you did what now they were i was just in a in a room getting evaluated for like a week after that incident uh-huh. do you not understand how god has his hands on your life like at the time i didn't well now i'm pretty sure it's clear to you because you have come back so many times and people don't even get a chance to come back one time you know even let alone two times and the things that you've tried is is a testimony in itself because man like yeah. you really played with death and you're still here. 
So there's something that you have to do. Um, so after that, you know, how long have you been clean? I've been clean, uh, I think like 14 months now. 14 months. Mm. Um, and we talked about you being 19 and going through all this. So you went through this for about how many years? Uh, I'd say about two and a half, three. Three years. Uh, how has looking back on that changed you? Uh, I mean, it's it's honestly, it's just, it's crazy to think that I made it through all that and that I'm still here. And that's what, that's what kind of gives me a reason to know that like I'm here for a reason and a purpose. And I'm just, I'm trying to help people that are going through the same type of thing that let them know that it, it's it's going to get better no matter how you feel, no matter no matter what, what you're on, what you're going through, things will always get better. You just got to kind of pray and just stick it out through it. Now, let's get back to the relationship with your dad. Um, mm. um, we were looking forward to having your dad on here, but let's talk about um, at what point did you and your dad actually reconnect? Uh, when I got out of juvenile, we, we kind of got back together and it's like he he's always been on drugs too my whole life and we both kind of were and when I got out it was like what led up to us both being arrested this was probably about a year and a half two years ago now we it was to the point we were when I was in my addiction we were doing drugs together and he had his drugs and I had mine like we had different DOCs so we were just kind of doing things together to survive and just stay high as much as we possibly could. And we were just robbing everybody. Which I know that's terrible, but we were just doing what we had to do, honestly. And it, it was it was terrible. It was, we were down. We needed to go to jail and sit down, like, or at least I did. I know I needed that. And if I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't be here today. So um, at that point you and your dad became closed because of drugs yeah pretty much but my my thing is with you growing up with your mom did you and your dad have like an off and on relationship yeah it was kind of off and on like uh he would get me like sometimes on the weekends uh i'd go stay with him for a weekend and we'd go do some things and it was kind of like that like till I was like five or six, maybe like every every blue moon we would get to see each other. And, but it was good times every time we connected. Like I wanted to be with him all the time, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But it's just the path he chose and the drugs just it's I know I know it's not his fault and I can't blame him because I know the drugs once you once you're in addiction it's it's so hard like really don't care about anything and i've been in that point so i know how it how it is and how he feels so i just try not to take it to heart like he does i know he loves me and stuff it's just he's caught up right now and can't really do nothing about it so um i want everybody to know that the reason why he says we have made a flyer um showing the success of both people 
And um, unfortunately, um, it's been a, a setback with his dad and he understands what his dad is going through because you've been at that point where, like you said, you went through rehab, you was doing good and then you turned back. So, mm-hmm. and that's just kind of what he's going through right now with his dad, where his dad started doing good and kind of went back to, and they're kind of going through that. So that's a whole, we're going to leave that where is that because that's a whole nother, I don't want to talk about his dad too much because the focus is on you. Um, your dad is not here. And so we're going to leave that alone. But I do want to just talk about the relationship you guys had and how important it was to you. Because now my next question is, you first was introduced visually to drugs. How, you know, when you wanted to start taking it, how? Like, how was I first introduced? We talked about the tooth. We talked about the tooth and you being, uh, but the first time, did you ever see your dad taking drugs, like visually? No. No. So how did you, how did you know that it was okay for you to start like getting with your dad and doing drugs together? That's what I'm trying to get to, because if you didn't know your dad did drugs, then you wouldn't have felt comfortable to do drugs with your dad. How did that happen? Um, like once we kind of got older and he kind of, he kind of knew that I knew that's what he was doing. And he knew that I was struggling too and that I was on drugs also. So I was, one day I was withdrawing real bad and I called him. I was like, can you please come pick me up? Like, I need I need something. I need some help. Like, I just need something to make this, this feeling go away. And he came and picked me up. And uh, he got me he got me some heroin, what I needed. And I did that. And I kind of just stuck by his side and stayed with him for about two or three months after that. And we were just doing our thing every day after that. Okay, so um, I noticed you said that you wanted to be with your dad a lot, spend time with him a lot. So mm-hmm. when you felt like it was okay for you guys to uh, kind of share your pain or emotions through doing drugs, did you feel like you you and your dad was that the closest in your relationship? Uh, yeah, I mean... That's how I kind of want to say yes to that because it's like, I ain't, that's like when I felt the most love from him, I guess you could say, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, that's when we had the best time together. Like, we were just enjoying each other, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I don't know, that's terrible to think about. But yeah, that's that's pretty much the the best time that we've had with each other that I can remember. I mean, it's not really terrible because it's your truth. You know what I'm saying? So it was during the time where you felt the most alone, but you weren't alone. You get what I'm saying? Like you were able to share your load with your dad. It's kind of like being ashamed of what you do, but you know you do it, but you're able to share that most vulnerable time in your life with somebody real close to you. So with that happening that's when you feel like 
you're loved the most or 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 you have the closest friend because you're they're able to see you at what you call your lowest point and still love on you, still be there by you. So I get it. Um, what helped you kind of get out of this funk? Uh, well, the pe the people that we were with, I kind of like. It was me and my dad, and he he. I guess we. I kind of he introduced me to some of the people he was with, and I kind of just stayed. He would go do his thing, and I would just stay at the apartment and just get high all day, pretty much. And I, uh, me and my girlfriend, we were separated at that time, and I, I overdosed, and I had a seizure real bad. And the lady that was at the apartment with me, she called my dad to come get me, and my girl, my girlfriend was like, "Yeah, just bring him over here." So. Uh, he dropped me off over there, and when I got over there, I stayed over there for probably like a week, just kind of getting through my withdrawals and everything, trying to get shake my life back pretty much. And she she helped me get through pretty much all of that. So going through all of this, how did it affect you education wise? Like, did you finish school or did you drop out? Uh, I I graduated from the detention center i was in i'm so proud of you that's what's up <laughs> yeah so um man i'm proud of you because a lot of people give up on education yeah. so what's your next step education wise um i guess right now i'm about to try to work on this book and get it out there and get it published so a lot of you guys need to know that uh, we're going to be uh, basically connecting you with the people that you need to be connected to to get your book done, done so that you can be able to help encourage other your peers on how to get out of, you know, the drug addiction and, you know, live you know, yes. fight life. So uh, what is it that you think, um, what is it that you like doing? Or what is it that you think that you're you're great at doing? Um, honestly, I don't, I honestly don't even know. You don't know? <laughs> but like, the good part about it is that you are a hardworking man now. You work a nine to five, right? Yes. And um, do you have any kids yourself? Yes, I have a, a four-year-old daughter. A four-year-old daughter. So mm -hmm. when you're with your daughter, you know, what's some things that run through your mind on how to be uh, that that model father for her and her life? Yeah, it's just when, when she was born, I wasn't really there like I should have been because I was in active addiction and... Mm -hmm. I just kind of now that I'm sober and and went through that, it's just kind of like it's shown me the things that I don't need to do. I need to be there for her because my dad wasn't really there for me and our relationship wasn't healthy at all. So I don't I don't I don't want her to think anything like that between me and her. I just wanted to show her the good things in life and be there for her no matter what. You know what I'm saying? Let me ask you something. Um, 
and going back to the addiction at any point did you feel like uh because you had no one there did you be put yourself in a situation like homeless oh yeah a lot of times uh i slip in the street i slip in the car i've i've literally it's it's been rough like i've i've slept in my car and then i i've been so messed up i've totaled my car so then i'm just sleeping on the street with nowhere to go and i've i've ruined all my relationships with my family so i can't really go there so i'm just kind of stuck on my own until i learn to get it together myself and do what i need to do so um being in that position did you ever think like I noticed like a lot of people give up so much that, you know, they didn't take care of their, their hygiene. Like, were you having that yeah. situation where? Yeah, it, it was bad. Uh, you probably, you if you seen how I looked while I was in addiction, you def, you wouldn't recognize me at all. Like, yeah, it was terrible. I, oh, I don't even want to think about it, but yeah, the, I, my hygiene was terrible at that point. I didn't, I'd just go without haircuts. My hair would just be matted all together, no showers, nothing. I would just kind of thug it out, do what I needed to do to get my next fix. You know what I'm saying? Did you have uh, women involved in your life, like girls, you know, that you would meet? Or, you know, were you dealing with different women or were there women trying to take care of you? Did you deal with any of that? Uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, really, my girlfriend that, that I'm in a relationship now. We've been together for five years, so she's really been there through everything with me. And uh, I took at, it was at a point where she, I got I got her addicted to Percocet. Sorry, y'all. Give us just a moment. I guess he had bad internet connection. Hey guys, it's your girl DJ Pressure with Felicia's Madcap Podcast, where making a difference can apply pressure. Madcap Podcast's mission is to tell the story behind the artist, business owner, and the everyday survivor while highlighting our kids. Madcap Podcast's vision is to be a platform where artists, business owners, and survivors can connect nationwide while giving you information on the latest celebrity news, live interviews, financial tips, community updates, and events. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or TikTok, Felicia's Madcap Podcast. And you can also visit the website, www.com. Take care of me, me and my family. I ain't clean up. I 
Hey guys, it's your girl DJ Pressure with Felicia's Madcap Podcast, where making a difference can apply pressure. Madcap Podcast's mission is to tell the story behind the artist, business owner, and the everyday survivor while highlighting our kids. Madcap Podcast's vision is to be a platform where artists, business owners, and survivors can connect nationwide while giving you information on the latest celebrity news, live interviews, financial tips, community updates, and events. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or TikTok, Felicia's Madcap Podcast. And you can also visit the website, www.feliciasmadcappodcast.com. Hey guys, unfortunately we had some technical issues and so um, we're going to end the interview, Um, but I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Just know that he's doing well now and he's taking care of his family and uh, we will provide you guys with an update soon and I just appreciate you guys for tuning in. Thank you so much and have a blessed day.